Thornbjorn descended the steps, sweat pouring from his forehead. He was garbed in fur armor, but was not wearing a mask. Kordok noted this with amusement, thinking Thornbjorn's forehead was so shiny it reminded him of the morning sun. Thornbjorn walked unevenly until he was standing in the arena. The familiar pounding of the drums reached Kordok. Why not remove your armor? Also, where is your mask? Kordok asked over the noise of the crowd. Thornbjorn narrowed his eyes. I cannot as it is shrunk from the heat. He paused, adding, as for the mask, I forgot it. Kordok laughed and shrugged. Thornbjorn looked at him stoically. Kordok drew his blue-hued sword. It was decorated with ancient symbols and framed in cerulean. Thornbjorn wiped away his sweat, his face red. Shall I cut it off for you? Kordok said, pointing at the fur as the two men went to their separate fighting corners. He made a sawing motion with his sword. Thornbjorn rolled his eyes and pulled off the sleeves of the fur he wore. He tossed the fur to the ground. The starting horn sounded. Thornbjorn drew a two-handed sword, which looked like a curved, thick curved icicle. Kordok looked down at his own sword and thought his resembled a twig compared to the branch that Thornbjorn brandished. The air seemed to cool off a bit, and Kordok noticed he had started to shiver a slight twitch in his arms. Thornbjorn's eyes turned an icy blue color, and what looked like steam rose from his muscles. Kordok eyed him curiously. You have magical abilities as well. Thornbjorn smirked. Does not everyone in Lysville? Kordok looked stunned. Just a few of you can use ma- Just a select- Sorry guys. Just a select few of you can use ma- magic of this power. But all in Wolfsbane can, Thornbjorn said. Kordok raised his weapon in front of himself challengingly. And with a burst of magic, an aura formed over his free arm. The air around his arm bent in extreme heat. Oh, Thornbjorn acknowledged, I did not take you for someone who could do that. For many, that is as complicated to maintain. Kordok shifted his feet, the gravel moving noiselessly, noisily underneath him. All my siblings can do this. He closed his eyes, feeling the warm energy rush through him. Thornbjorn looked more comfortable. His face had become a more normal shade, and he no longer had sweat beating on his forehead. Kordok noticed the chill in the air again. A bit odd for it to be so cold all of a sudden, Kordok said, knowing full well what was causing the coolness. Thornbjorn raised an eyebrow. Yes, I am sh- more accustomed to the cold. This sword is forged in the cold water of Wolfsbane. Allows me to change the temperature at my leisure. Northern folks, Kordok jested, and here I thought you were doing it of your own ability. Kordok kicked up dust and brought the weight of his weapon towards Thornbjorn, who parried it without much effort. He snorted. It is of the highest quality. Also, I forged it. They stood in gridlock. Thornbjorn's teeth clenched. Their blades rattled as each pushed as hard as they could. Despite his aching muscles, Kordok was pushed backward in a rough tumble. Nice sword just saying, Thornbjorn said, I know quality when I see it. Kordok wheeled around, nearly catching Thornbjorn by surprise. His mov- movements quick and precise. Thornbjorn backed away a few steps, the scratches on his sword gleaming from the heat of the blows. Huh, how? There's no way you would even be able to scratch it. You're not the only one with clever magic. Steam rose around Kordok's sword. Besides, my father gave me this sword. It was forged here out of our kingdom's metals. Thornbjorn stood his ground. He changed stances, raising his sword above his head. An offensive move known, an offense, offensive move known as the window guard. Kordok was familiar with the stances. Salafiel used it often. No wonder Salafiel was interested in fighting you, he whispered to himself. Fire and ice, a battle's oldest time. Kordok squinted at Thornbjorn's words. You're not easy to please. Thornbjord asked, tilting his 
head, just uh, not a fan of cliches, Kordok sighed. Well then, Thornbjorn said, approaching him slowly, let's see how you deal with this cliche. Kordok placed his blade slanted across his chest, his other arm free. Come on then, if you think you've proved me incapable, he said, smacking his chest challengingly. Thornbjorn growled roughly. With a great deal of effort, Thornbjorn launched toward him. He spun, displaying his back to Kordok in what he termed to be a hazardous move. Kordok smiled and moved forward, seizing the opportunity to strike Thornbjorn's back. He had mistaken his speed, however, and met the familiar vibration of metal on metal, much to his surprise. The crowd cheered at the audacious move, then gasped as Kordok nearly routed him. A dangerous maneuver, he panted. Thornbjorn shrugged, a wild grin on his face. The crowd tends to like it. You're a glory hog, then I take it. A what? A type of hog, a type of pig that migrates south, Kordok said, answering his rhetorical question. Thornbjorn shook his head slowly, a small grin starting to show in his lips. Kordok waved his sword. Sparks skidded off his blade, and he drove forward. Ag, arg, <laughs> Thornbjorn sputtered. They each parried and avoided a lick after lick, neither gaining the edge on the other. We are well matched, Kordok said, his teeth clenched. Or we are not very good. That's what I was thinking, Kordok said. Kordok circled to the left, with Thornbjorn moving opposite him. Thornbjorn moved first. Kordok sidestepped the would-be knockout blow, kicking Thornbjorn's feet out from under him. Thornbjorn felt like a bag of bricks. Kordok noticed, but he nimbly regained his feet, avoiding a pin. Thornbjorn used his sword to launch forward and laying the laying on the length of his forearm and crossed his elbow. He pointed at him. I'll have to remember that low maneuver, he said, impressed. As will I will yours, Thornbjorn said happily. Kordok was glad to see Thornbjorn was enjoying the fight as much as he was. I would say I'm a third I'm third among my brothers with the I am third among my brothers with the blade. If you can't be Mizu, you'll struggle later on. You mean you're not the best? I was fooled, he said respectfully. I have my own talents, though. I hope you're a good bowman, Kordok panted out of breath. Not so much, Thornbjorn replied out of breath as well. I might as well just throw my sword and then fire an arrow from a bow. They both moved forward each other. They both moved toward each other aggressively. Sorry, guys, but paused at a strange noise from the stands that silenced everyone surrounding them. The sound made their hearts churn in their chests. It sounded like a girl screaming, but they were unsure until some more screams came. Abandoning their fight, they turned and saw monstrous figures advancing through the stands. Chapter 3. Servants of Fire Kordak froze as he heard a yell from the crowd. At first, it did not register, and people within the stands did not initially react, seeming to be searching for the source of the noise as well. Thornbjorn turned with a perplexed look on his face. Kordak scanned the crowd slowly, unsure what was going on or what they were looking for. Screams rang out as a torrent of flame shot up into the air above them. A tall, dark figure with fire billowing from its mouth stood as the source of trouble. Thornbjorn stood in shock, not sure what was going on. More figures breathing fire emerged from the crowd. Kordok did not know whether he was dreaming or if this was actually happening. What is going on? Kordok explained, snapping Kordok back into reality. Salafiel and Jacobin turned from the ledge and joined the guards heading towards the disruption. Panicked people began to run from the courtyard. Lexville's guards assembled around the king in a quick and efficient formation. The princes looked around them but did not see any of the contestants hanging around to assist the guards. Cowards, Jacobin whispered under his breath as he ran towards the threat angry that everyone around them had run and fled. A shrill scream erupted from the mouths of the fire-breathing beasts. The noise was unnatural and it made his blood stab his veins like icy blades. One of the creatures turns its gaze towards them and smiled a wicked needled smile. It turned towards Salafiel specifically smiling wider. Its white eyes slowly fade into cold black with no visible pupils. 
Its eye sockets seemed to shrink into its face, which looked like that of a man who had never eaten food before, its skin tightly wound around its eye sockets. Slothiel's stomach nodded at the sight. The creature looked demonic. He had heard stories, but had never seen a creature like this before. For him, this was like seeing something out of a fairy tale, or even worse, yet a nightmare. A tanim, Slothiel mouthed, suddenly realizing what stared back at him with Sol's eyes. But they're extinct, he thought, stunned. The guards around Elanias tightened and bellowed orders while moving the king towards the stronghold. Reaching the creature that was staring at him, Slothiel's eyes lit with magic as he drove his sword into the creature's throat, severing its head from its body. Its opaque purple blood flowed onto the ground, pulling near his feet. Zarks observed the swift beheading from the side of the courtyard where he had, was protecting the king. His silver sword gleamed, unsheathed, and ready to shed blood for the king's protection. Kordok had his bow trained on the creatures and began to fire upon those who ventured too close to their father. He saw the creature fall before Slothiel made sure to keep his eyes moving in case he missed one. Guards, get the people away from here, Jacobin and Slothiel moved to father, Kordok commanded. He fired arrows that flamed blue as he gave directions. Alnais was pulled from the door by Derek and Zarks, who stood behind it, ready to fight any of the creatures who dared to go near it. Silver talons to me, Zarks yelled. Members of the guard moved to assist Zarks, fighting desperately to reach him. Slothian moved forward as well, his blood pounding in his ears. Jacobin struck a creature with a smaller blade, removing the cloak from its face in the process. The creature was transparent, its veins and internal organs or organs visible through its pale skin. Slothiel froze. How can this be? He asked himself. The Tanin's eyes flicked white and a hissing noise escaped its mouth. Get down! Jacobin yelled as he ducked. A sooty crimson flame erupted from the creature's mouth. Slothiel nearly ducked underneath it. He was astonished at his near death. If he had even touched the flame, he would have been severely injured from the heat. Excuse me. His eyes burned as he felt the scalding hair that surrounded the fire. Scalding air. A silver talent guard drove his blade into the back of the Tanin's neck while it was focused on Slothiel. Fire bellowed from the new wound the guard had created, engulfing him in fiery light. The guard screamed as the fire engulfed him. Within a few seconds, the man's charred body ceased moving, fire claiming him with its deadly embrace. Slothiel knew the man was dead and winced, looking away. He glanced at Kordok, who continued firing arrows in quick succession at the remaining Tanims. Kordok's bow had become covered in blue flames that moved along each arrow as they whistled and flicked the air. Their fire from the bow cast a blue shadow of a straight line beside him as two Tanims were dispatched. It was not often that Kordok lost control of his magic, but the strain of using so much had made it hard to control. Most of the people were now gone, and the brothers only needed to worry about the enemies among them. A large team, around eight foot tall, called out in a deep voice. The sound commanded the monster's attentions, or attention. Kodok drew another arrow and fired at him. The beast lifted its palm. The wooden arrow shattered as if it hit an invisible wall of the monster's magic. Zark strode forward, sword and shield in hand. Dr. Ben held, helped the woman up and pointed her towards a safe path to avoid the fighting. Tears streamed down her face as she hugged Jacobin. She then quickly moved back to her seat and pulled a little boy out from below. She picked him up and ran from the area, not looking back. The child was sobbing, his fa red face drenched in a mixture of soot and tears. The remaining Tanims had gathered around the largest one, forming a circle as they snarled. Their stance was that their stance was that of a pack of ravenous wolves, daring anyone to move closer. The arena was quiet, and his guards and princes alike made a half circle around them. Jacobin rejoined the group, his face twisted into a grimace. Suddenly, a roar filled the air. A loud sound of glass shattering echoed around them. 
Sunlight reflected shadows onto the ground in the shapes of large shards of glass. A dark dragon flew by them with a gust of wind, an explosion of air that shook the ground, giving off the sound of hundreds of cannons firing. The large Tanim smiled, looking in the direction of the noise. The remaining Tanims screeched. Salafio and his companions fought the urge to hold their ringing ears. The creature's gaping mouths were filled with molten fire, and rivers of fire flowed from their open maws. The fire liquefied and surrounded them in an impervious dome of flames and liquid fire. Salafio lost sight of them in the blistering heat and smoke they produced. The brothers and guards were able to find a spot to hunker down as the monsters covered most of the courtyard in blistering heat and light. Salafio coughed roughly, stumbling towards Derek. No, Elder Derek yelled as he leaped into the ground, leaped into the air, now in dragon form. He propelled himself from earth with a great gust of speed. Slothfield followed Derek with his eyes alarmed by the magnitude of Derek's reaction, for Derek to react so strongly was cause for worry. Archers fire volley, Zarks yelled, a flurry of arrows black in the sky striking the monsters with efficiency. Fire erupted from all directions from the new wounds on the necks of the Tanims. One spray of heat launched itself on the general's shield. As Zarks threw his flaming, short of the, flaming shield to the ground, the smell of burnt flesh reached Slothfield. Suddenly, the smoke disappeared and no live Tanim could be seen. The bodies of Tanims littered the ground, but a large one had disappeared. Kordok kept his bow ready, scanning the area to be sure none were lurking in the shadows. Slothiel and Jacobin made their way to Zark's. He looked confused and distressed, looking around as if they were not actually there. They used the fire and smoke as a means of escape, Kordok said, sheathing his arrows angrily. Silver Talon, Slothia Bella, bring healers and tend to the wounded. The men bowed and went about carrying out the command. The princes looked at Zarks, who threw down his uh, sword. It scared and skipped a loud metallic noise. Send a message to the Ashenborn, he said in a shaky voice to a nearby Silver Talon, who hesitated but carried out their quest, running to procure a scroll. Jacobin looked around for Thornbjorn and Sassain, who were no longer in the courtyard. Kordok and a few guards checked the bodies of the fallen Tanims, making sure they were indeed dead. Water was fetched to quench the flames, which left black stains across the once white courtyard. The blood of the Tanins burned where it had spilled on the ground, and gallons of water were needed to quench the flames. Above them, the once proud sigils of the kingdom were burned and torn. Jacobin drew his sword with a grit of his teeth, pointing at a Tanin still breathing and clutching a seal with a royal symbol on it. I found one alive, Jacobin called behind him. Slothiel stepped up beside him, and his eyes flashed dangerously. The, eye, the Tanim's eyes flicked open. You, your eyes change and you're dead, Kordok said at an arrow notch, caught, catching them both by surprise at how quickly he was behind them as well. Slothiel raised his hand, his palm beginning to cast a bronze aura. Why are you here? Slothiel said, a hatred in his voice. The Tanim had a wound outside which was gushing, fl gushing flaming blood. Two, its voice hissed, deliver the good news. Blood seeped from its mouth as it spoke. The Tanim dropped a scroll from its claws. Jacobin picked it up carefully, keeping his eyes on the dying creature. He unrolled the scroll and looked at Settled at what he read. The Tanim's laugh filled its mouth with more blood. Its eyes began to shrink into its sockets, and its mouth remained open as it breathed its final breath. They each relaxed from their stiff positions. Kordok swiftly shot an arrow through its skull for good measure. Salafio turned an nauseated look on his face, and the creature's face shriveled, and it looked more slightly dead than it had just a few moments before. Its eye sockets and skin began to droop. The air filled with an even more foul odor. The smell of Tanim's lifeless corpse blended with the smell of burning bodies. Kordok motioned for Jacobin to hand him the parchment. He read it and handed it to Slothiel silently. Slothiel examined it, but didn't say a word. There was only one line of the parchment. Archiris, the High King, is dead. He handed it to General Zargs. 
who had watched the scene unfold, General Zark's expression was bewildered as he rolled up this letter now stained with the purple blood of the dead to Neem. What did it say, a silver talon asked. It's not your concern, Zark's answered. We will forward this to King Alanias. It is his information to disseminate if he so chooses. Zark's turned and called for another silver talon, one less inquisitive. He gave him the letter and ordered him to take it to the king. Do not, under any circumstances, barring a direct order from King Alanias himself, open and read this message, and subordination will result in your death. Is that understood? The silver talon nodded hesitantly, unable to respond, not prepared to accept such a large responsibility. He took the letter, though, and left quickly. Zarx retrieved his sword and turned towards the remaining silver talons. Check everywhere to ensure that there are no more of those monsters and be prepared to give aid to all injured. If we all find any alive, shall we capture them and bring them in for more answers? A silver tower in question. No, if you find one alive, kill it without hesitation. You've seen what damage one can do. There would be no gain, only loss in attempting to capture one. Turning sloppily said, we shall meet within the inner court room with the king to discuss this. Jockman looked around. Where are Sane and Thornbjorn? He asked. From behind, a voice called out. Thornbjorn trudged up from the lower court, his armor singed. He was favoring one arm and held his sword in the other. What happened, Slothiel said, running over to him. Thornbjorn winced and leaned on his sword, breathing heavily. What happened indeed, he said, looking around wide-eyed at the damage from the battle. I left the fall to saying he murdered one of your guards from behind before leaving this assault. He seemed to be awfully calm as he left. I thought he was trying to save his own hide, but I was incredibly wrong. He stopped to catch his breath. You may not believe me when I tell you this. What? Kordok asked impatiently. Thorok sw Thornbjorn swallowed and answered. His body turned into a dragon and he leapt in the air, flying towards the forest. I encountered several of those monsters. None of them attacked him. It was as if they did not see him at all. Zark's face was unnaturally pale. All I remember hearing was the shattering glass and the light prison breaking into shards, Thornbjorn continued. I cannot make out entirely what happened, but I still believe Sane is the cause. Zark's walked away briskly without a word, the cloak he wore flapping behind him. He exited the courtyard through the doors where the contestants had entered. The remaining silver talons followed him, unaware of what was going on. Those cowards who did not stand with us and fight will, be not, will not be welcome here ever again, he muttered under his breath. Kordok looked concerned. Slothiel's gaze followed Zark's as he left, an, an equally confused look on his face. Elder Derek rejoined the group, dropping in as if out of thin air. His face showed his anguish. <clears throat> Derek walked over the dead body of the Tanim and turned it over with the blade of his sword. So that's what they look like, Jackman said, his face his voice trailing off. We have heard stories of father's conflict with them, the translucent since of the creature began to fade, its hide turning an opaque purple and obscuring the internal organs from view. The jock the the Tanim's jaw looked out of place, giving it a more sinister appearance. Derek looked at the creature, then struck the ground with his sword angrily. They look different this time, almost sickly. They're Tanemian nonetheless, Zark's growled. Derek made an angry motion in the air with an equally agitated and shocked expression. All of the prisoners have escaped, he said. So that's why I'm going to end it here. This is going to be relatively short. Uh, that's going to be to page 94. It's not as long as I normally have been, but I'm going to try my best. Uh, don't hold me to it to continue reading this. Uh, again, if you are interested in the book, it is called The Ashenborn. Um, obviously, you know how to spell the um, Ashenborn, A-S-H-E-N-B-O-R-N. Uh, it's by me. I'm author M.W. Finn. So that that's my Facebook page. So if you go to at M author A-U-T, H-O-R, 
m.w.finn. You can follow me on Facebook there. Um, or if you're interested in the book, you know, just type in The Ashenborn on Amazon, or really you could Google it, or just Google my name, author M.W. Finn, anything along those lines. You know, you can get the book. You can also pick up the second book. Um, I will say I'm working on the third book currently, but with, uh, you know, with everything going on, you know, it, it, it's going to be troublesome <laughs> for me to completely get it out. But hopefully I'm going to have that out by sometime early next year or, you know, this summer. But again, I appreciate you guys and I look forward to the next reading. I am sorry. I'm not the best reader in the world. I don't know how to edit it very well, but hopefully as time goes by and go back in and, you know, do better for you guys. But thank you guys. And I hope you have a blessed day. Next, See y'all next time.